we went through all of these stickers in Swarm, all of these jokes, and we explained every single joke. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to the Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back. There are a few things that I forgot to mention. One of the things that I forgot to mention last time is that I, uh, I work at Foursquare. I referenced it last time, so I hope it didn't. But uh, anyway, you're going to get... I worked at Foursquare for seven years. You're going to get sick of me mentioning that, but uh, I just wanted to mention it. Did I mention that I worked at Foursquare for seven years? Okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, at Foursquare Labs, we have these three consumer apps that we build. Uh, the first is the Foursquare City Guide. And by the way, you should download all of these on iPhone and Android uh, right now. Uh, pause this and download. Okay, now you're back. So first is the Foursquare City Guide. Uh, that is, it's a local recommendation system, but it's a global local recommendation system, which means that you find stuff in whatever city you're in. You can find restaurants, bars, museums, parks, fun things to do. And anywhere you go, uh, people write these tips, which is like, you know, two or three sentences. They're reviews. They tell you, you know, what to look for at a place. And next week, I'm going to get more into the uh, recommend, the uh, the rating score that we built for that um, and how we actually find the best places in every city. So that's how it's local. It's global because it works everywhere in the world. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how to get uh, consumer internet apps to work everywhere in the world. Uh, the second app that we work on is Swarm, and this is a life logging app, and it's based on checking into places. So you tell us where you've been, and it kind of keeps a record of uh, your history. And you can also win these fun stickers on it uh, when, as you're using it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. The third is Marsbot, which is more experimental. We're not going to talk about it, but I worked on it a lot. And so in the show notes page, I'll link to the Medium article where I was interviewed about that recently. So today I'm doing my first in-person interview. I want to include people who actually build stuff, not just talk about it. And Miriam is someone who I have worked with and presented with for several years now. Miriam Ali is a full stack engineer on the forms team at Google. Uh, before joining Google, she was at Foursquare with me for over four years. Uh, in fact, Miriam owned the localization slash internationalization stack that's shortened to I18N in the biz uh, for Foursquare. And this is an important piece in many businesses, particularly global internet businesses these days. So we're going to get a behind the scenes look at uh, I18N so we can understand a little bit about what really goes on. Um, I think that uh, Miriam is really someone to watch closely in software and technology over the next few years. Fun fact, she is also an avid competitive foosball player and was recently voted Sportswoman of the Year. Miriam, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Max. Well, how, how do you, what do you think of my setup? I have two microphones. This is my first time trying to get two microphones set up. It's a lot harder to do than you would expect. And ideally what I would like to do in Audacity one day is have it so that one microphone is on one track and the other one is on another track so that you could adjust the volumes. But apparently nobody's figured out a way to make that easy to do yet, which is crazy. 
I don't really know anything about audio, but these microphones look very fancy. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I bought them. Uh, <laughs> I was like, this, this one looks fancy, and uh, this is the one I'm going to get. Okay, so today we're going to talk about uh, internationalization. And, well, first of all, what what is internationalization? Because that's or specifically the type of internationalization that uh, you did when you worked at Foursquare, because, you know, let's define it first. Right. So internationalization is making a product work around the globe. And the first thing, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is translation. Uh, but that's only part of the story hmm. because there are cultural di differences around the world as well. Um, as Like in addition to language differences. And when you're building a product, you have to think about how it'll fit within the culture in addition to just like translating the words. So that's interesting. So we're not just talking about translation here. Can you give an example of where, you know, uh, straight translation would do, but an example where, um, you know, uh, there's a, a cultural difference where the um, where a straight translation uh, wouldn't work? Right. So um, one example within Foursquare, when you um, when you see a person's name, uh, if you see their tip and you see their name, right. it gives the person's first name and last initial. Okay. Well, if we were to expand into China, then we would actually want to do last name and then first character um, instead of doing like first name, last initial, because culturally in China, you, you have your like family name be your like primary, like that, that's the leading name. Right. Um, and so it wouldn't like, Culturally, if you did first first name and then last initial, it would be very strange to uh, to users in China. It would it wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel like it was built for them, and gotcha. therefore they probably wouldn't want to use the product as much. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so how did you get into this when you were at Foursquare? Yes, that is a great question, and the answer is kind of by accident. Um, I have no formal training in. Um, linguistics or even natural language processing um, but I was working on a problem and noticed a bug so I was working on something that wasn't even related to internationalization but I I noticed that we we weren't like there was this promise that we were translating um, differently based on a user's gender Okay. Within the code. Okay. And and I talked to. So give give an example. Like this would be like um, you. Well, I'm actually it's it's harder to find an example than I thought because you usually it wouldn't be the user's uh, gender. It may, might be the gender of your friend. So like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, your friend wrote a a tip in Foursquare. That's a that's like a, a three sentence review. Uh, your friend uh, wrote a review of this restaurant. Here's what she said. Or here's what he said, right? Is that an example? Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, and obviously those two sentences are different in English. But let's say we wanted right. to say, your friend Max wrote a tip. And okay. that was it. Right. Uh, well, Seems straightforward. You don't need to know the gender. Right. And, you know, the word friend, it's the same, whether it's Max or Miriam in that sentence. Right. Um, but in Spanish, for example, the word that you would use for friend will actually change depending on the gender of the person. Okay. 
Yeah. So it's either going to be amigo or amiga, depending on um, the gender of that user. And um, we... so you can't just send it to Spanish translators and say, translate this sentence. It's not going to work. Right. And it, translators are kind of used to getting these sentences um, that like are going to be different for each gender. And so they'll um, they'll do something like put an A in parentheses for amigo, amiga, right. um, kind of like how we might do he slash she. Right, right. Or, you know, when you do the plural and you have the S in parentheses. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those that, that always that always looks lazy if it's like, you know, you have been here one time, possibly, you know, <laughs> with the S. I don't know if the S comes out through the microphone, but it's like you, you've been here one time and then there's like a, a parenthesis around the S. But it's like, you know, you, you'd rather just have the text be correct. Right. Right. And, and was this was this related to the bug? Was that the bug that you found? Was that the one that was the Spanish friend bug or um, was that? Is, it's is hard different. to remember now, but I'm pretty yeah. sure that I was working on something different. Right. It might have been some. I mean, Spanish friend is probably just a good example. It might have been something a little more complicated than that. But yes. Right. Okay. So continue. So um, one one thing, like I I, see, I saw this translation with like O and the A afterwards, and I was like, huh, that's interesting because in the code we have it, we have a gender listed. Like why. Why right. is the translator not using that? I see. Um, so I saw this as a problem, um, and I wanted to fix it. And this kind of led me down the road of becoming the internationalization engineer at Foursquare. Um, how many languages do we translate the Foursquare? So we have, how many apps do we, well, we have the MarsBot, that was the one I did, but the, the, the two that are translated mm -hmm. are Foursquare and Swarm, and they're, they're both translated, I believe, into the same languages. Yes. Um, and I don't, we don't have to go over which ones are there. I don't think we've done any additional languages since you've been here. Uh, so, right, so you made sure that they got translated into every single uh, language that we wanted to translate. Right. And, and international is, nationalize and we'll talk about some of those issues um, going forward so was well, there anything that you wanted to add to that I'm sorry I kind of I feel like I kind of got into your way <laughs> um, I wanted to say as an English speaker it's kind of hard to it's hard to see some of the some of the problems sometimes and if you just see like this amigo with the a at the end in a like a parentheses or you see like time with an s at the end like you've checked into this place one times <laughs> right um that doesn't seem that bad yeah but from the company perspective um foursquare the brand is fun and conversational and it's supposed to be like a friend in your pocket right and so when we have copy when we have when we're showing users these these sentences um that have these like parentheses or like slashes in them it takes away from that brand identity. Right. It just looks sloppy. Yeah. And I feel like when we were doing this, and I was involved in this a little bit too, we sort of, uh, actually, I think my first project at Foursquare back in 2011 was, um, you know, the, some of the first internationalization code for uh, what we called Explore then. That was just a recommendation system. But really all it was doing, it actually was a pretty 
pretty shitty job. Uh, what I was doing is, I, I hope I'm not going to get an explicit tag for that. Uh, I hope, I, hope it, what, what, uh, I don't think so. I think I get away. Um, it's not like being on, on AM radio like, like I was uh, um, back in college. Um, no, but back, back to what I was talking about. Um, what it was was taking, looking through all of the code and looking like everywhere in the code where we wrote text and like replacing that string with a, you know, adding some like, you know, functions, some markers on the string so that we knew to translate it. And it was basically just making sure all that worked. And so that it was um, a necessary project, but it probably was not not my favorite, um, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, uh, you expanded on that system, made it actually a lot easier to use for for engineers. Um, but I felt like in doing this and coming back to what I what I wanted to say initially, we didn't. Um, I don't know any language. I've never been that great at learning languages. I mean, I took French for a long time. I took you have to take a, uh, a language in college to graduate. So I got a little bit of French, which I can probably get the gist of it, maybe a little bit. But that's just kind of as far as I go. Uh, maybe a few Spanish words here and there, so on and so forth. But I feel like we learned a lot. Uh, uh, you don't have to speak different languages to do this. Um, but you have, you, we ended up learning a lot about different languages. We, we ended up learning about, you know, all of the quirks of the world languages that we were dealing with. And oftentimes I had to deal with more than just the, the small group of languages that we're translated into because we do, you know, um, people write all sorts of text into Foursquare, the apps, and we do language detection on that. I didn't know how many that there were so many languages spoken in the Iberian Peninsula. I do now. Um, so, and uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff about uh, Russian and German, if I remember correctly. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about that? What are some of the challenges that you came across uh, in doing this project? So, um, you alluded to this already, but one challenge was just not knowing the languages. And so, one, one challenge, one big challenge was knowing whether or not there was a problem. Um, right. We had to lean on users a lot to tell us when something was wrong, but also to educate us on like how to fix it. Because, um, for example, I worked on um, I worked on one issue in Turkish that involved uh, prepositions in Turkish, and the way I remember specifically the sentence that I was trying to translate, um, and it was like. Um, like Max is at Foursquare. Okay. And the way that that um, works in Turkish, like at the 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 word for at is actually appended to the end of the word Foursquare. Okay. And um, so it's like added as a suffix. And the actual suffix that you pick depends on the base word. Uh, but in order to ha like get this information, I had to talk to users and then read a lot, right? Um, because I wanted to make sure that I understood the problem. Because that that's not the only sentence that I needed to make sure worked, but that was kind of the one that that we were working with to start. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that I understood the rules of the language. Like the, I, ne I needed to understand more about how grammar worked to know how to engineer a solution to pick the right word for at when we were translating this this phrase. Right, right. And I remember there was an interesting issue with, with numbers in Russian. Do you remember that one, what I'm talking about? Yes. Um, I had this wonderful intern who um, 
was fluent in Russian. And um, so I had her, I had her implement some ideas that I had been thinking about. Um, so the way numbers work in Russian, um, instead of being like one thing, two things, three things, uh, the you end up having different endings to words um, based on that the number mod 10. Right, so whatever's in the ones column of that number, that depends on the words afterwards. In English, all that matters is whether it's one or whether it's more than one or zero. It's weird because zero is always plural in our... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not our, in yeah. Italian, I think. Yeah. Wait, what? What is it in Italian? Um, in Italian, instead of being like zero things, you would yeah. say zero thing. So you'd say zero thing, one thing, two things. Yep. Okay, but in 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 English, it's always it's one thing, but everything else is things. Right. Okay, but in Russian, it depends on whatever the last digit of the number is, which is which is right. crazy. So you actually can't just say singular or plural. You actually have to say this is the number that was. Uh, that this is referring to. Yes. What do you do in Russian? And, and I'm sure there's a rule in Russian if you don't know what the number is, like if it's many things, if you're saying the term many things, there's probably some some default one that you use. Yeah, without looking it up, this yeah. is the thing where I would definitely look it up before I committed it to code. But if I recall correctly, there's a different word for like, like if you know it's just a few versus yeah. like like tens of things. Like right. a dozen or less versus many things like right yeah like the scale there's a different word for the scale yeah and i feel like we have maybe if i could think of a um an analogy in english because when we're doing ordinal numbers we have something similar to this so if we say 191st 192nd 193rd and it right. always depends on that last digit uh that's why when you see kids counting they'll be like you know um uh, 19th, 20th, 21st, but instead 21st, it's 21st, or, you know, whatever. Right, right. <laughs> or, it's actually a great for, example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right, right. So, um, for, and it, it depends on those, la sometimes when you, when you translate, when you, uh, you know, shorten it to those last two letters, you know, it's like 1ST, 2ND, 3RD. Um, I'm starting to get confused now, but you see, like it's it's. Uh, I actually see that error all the time when there's an st next to a number, but it's the wrong number. Like you'll see second st, like sec, like toost or something. You know, it just uh, it just com looks completely wrong, and it looks uh, sloppy if you're um, if you're not uh, doing it properly. So you said you built a system on that. What was it? Was it just a matter of looking at that number, or how did that? Um, I, I feel like there was something else. Right. What else happened? Yeah. Um, so first of all, um, we we wanted what we wanted to do was correct this. We wanted to make sure that the the number like ending matched the number count. Right. And our translation process didn't really allow for our translators to help us with that problem. Hmm. Um, and that that's something that could be fixed in the future, I think. Like the, the future of translation companies are probably going to do this better. Yeah. Um, but with our with the current framework, we, we couldn't fix it in that way. Um, so what we what we decided to do 
was like rewrite translations um, on the fly. Wow. So, wait, what say. does that mean? <laughs> yeah. What is what does that mean on the fly? So a, a user, like a user, is using our app. Yeah. And they're looking at their friend's profile, and it okay. shows how many check-ins that they have. Right. When we go to like display that phrase, like twenty thousand check-ins. Right. We we do as we normally do, look up the translation. But then we do a second lookup and say, okay, based on that number, um, do we have a better word for check-ins than what our translation has? Right, right. And uh, It would seem if there are a large number of possibilities, you'd almost have to do it on the fly because you wouldn't be able to generate every possibility. Probably in this case you could, but... Yeah, um, so for this case, what we did, um, we actually created like a large distributed hash table yeah or by large it's actually not large it's very small yeah uh, we, we created a small um distributed hash table that had um like the morphological number information so for russian it's just the last digit okay um and the the word or the the string that we're trying to translate so in this case it would be x check-ins um and then, like for for each different morphological like possibility, so for each like number ending, um, we had a different translation that we like hand made, um, and we were able to do that because um, the intern in this case like knew Russian. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, I think like if someone wanted to implement this somewhere else you would either need a language expert or you could you could use um we could have used our our tips for example right um to get some of the words and did you get any feedback from the russian our uh, russian users um no <laughs> <laughs> well how much which which language do you think was the hardest to do or that, that a, caused the most problems that's a really good question um that's hard to say. I, I feel like we got a lot of feedback from Turkish users and from our Italian user base, but that had more to do with the, with the community. Gotcha. There's just more people who are interested right. in it. So I, I think Russian, yeah. Russian, I think, is harder to build for, though, hmm. than those languages. Yeah. And it also is a matter of how different it is, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's it's... It's not just it's if it's something is has similar quirks to English, we've already thought about those. Um, but if it has different quirks, then we haven't thought about those before. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we know. So uh, we talked about translation a little bit. Now you mentioned at the beginning that uh, internationalization is not only about translation. We had some interesting issues with, um, you know, in, in Foursquare, particularly in Swarm, when you check into places, we have little like. Uh, little jokes, little cultural references that come in that are, um, you know, supposed to uh, make people happy. Some of them are very funny. What, but we, we had a lot of issues translating that across international lines. Right. Did that, uh, um, is that something that you worked on as well, right? Yes. Um, so me and Victoria 
Ugarte, um, we went through all of these stickers right. in Swarm um, and all of these jokes, and we like explained every single joke. You had to explain the joke to the translator. The joke. <laughs> um, and it, just to give you an example, uh, yeah. there's there's one there's one sticker that you can unlock if you are the mayor of many places, and yeah. it's like a scepter. And uh, there's a House of Cards reference right. in, in that unlocking. And I don't remember exactly what the reference is, but it, it's like a reference to this American television show. And it's on Netflix. And at the time that we were translating these, um, Netflix was U.S. only. And so we had to figure out, okay, like... Let's explain this. We well, first of all, we had to be aware that House of Cards is a U.S. only thing, and so if we right. if we just said House of Cards to our translators, they wouldn't necessarily know what that was. Um, so we had to describe why we picked that reference to the right. translators, so that they could, um, like for Turkish, pick some other cultural reference that would make sense to that audience. Right. In some cases, you probably had to throw out the whole thing and think of a new, a new joke or a new reference. Like, like yes. not, not just a new reference, but like, and it, it's not like they have an equivalent show. It's like, okay, what was the joke on? I, f I feel like it was, you know, don't throw someone in front of a train or something. Yeah. Was that? Yep, yeah. That's exactly. What I it feel was. like it's like you, you might go to them and think of uh, another character that did something similar, and I'd be like, there's nothing. We have to we have to think of something completely different to to say. Right. Another thing. Um, so a lot of these had puns. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the visual was a pun. Okay. And in, in these cases, we just decided to not show them or we decided, we decided to not, um, how was the visual a pun? That's a great question. So, um, if you, if you are a creature of habit yeah, and you go to the same place every week, Right. Or the same category every week. Okay. Um, so, for example, you do Monday Night Trivia. Right. Every week. Um, so, you, uh, once you once you've checked in, I don't I don't know what the number is, but once once you've like established a streak. Is this the streak? Is yes. this the streaking man? Okay. So I, once you've yeah. established a streak of going to the same place, uh, you can unlock the sticker, right. and. The sticker is of a naked person running. Right. It's pixelated, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, j just just pointing that out. It's safe um, for work, but yes. <laughs> it is a naked man running. Right. And obviously that's like the word for streaking at a yeah, you know, so, NFL so event. How did, you, how did you deal with that, though? So you just said you just didn't we just didn't show the sticker is that it or we tried to come up with some other just say hey here's a funny sticker that we're not going to explain <laughs> yeah for for these yeah what we what we could have done what we should have done i think would be um replace the image okay yeah just straight up replace the image but that would actually be a new sticker so you'd see the other sticker and other people's then people would complain like how come i didn't get this sticker you right. Know. It's it's a hard problem. Or yeah, or it could just be like you see they they think they're using one sticker but you are a different user and you see it as the streaking sticker. Right. That would also confuse people. Uh, yeah, to because, no end. because if your friends, you know, your friend has this 
your friend who yeah. has this app in English has this like naked man, and then you right. have this other thing on your phone that's in Turkish. So it's just I see something very different. I was always re reminded of how like in Star Wars, everybody's talking. Oh, Star Wars, not Star Wars, Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Everybody is talking through a universal translator, right? So when they meet a new alien, you know, they're just speaking English. But it's like their lips are moving to the English words. So clearly, you know, the uh, somehow the visual is being altered as well. <laughs> and it's like you could have people in different languages just being shown something completely different. But then you kind of lose something in translation a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you would like to see, oh, this was what it was in English. This was what it was in the original language. And here's all the quirks of the translation. I don't yeah. know, it depends on the situation. If it's just a fun thing, probably you just want the translations or just, you know, just to see something different. But uh, it depends on depends on where you're going. Yeah. So, yeah. One interesting thing um, that we found, um, there was one particular thing in the app that wasn't translated. And we kind of freaked out when we saw that this thing wasn't translated. We're like, oh, my God. We're, so everybody saw English. Yeah. Everybody this whole time. English. Okay. If someone wanted to share a check-in on Twitter, it was in English. Okay. That tweet was in English. It was not translated. And um, when we discovered this, we, we were like so embarrassed and just floored that we didn't Doesn't find it. Doesn't Twitter right. do its own translations? Yes, but okay. um, There's we're, a but like, here. We're, we're tweeting on behalf of the user and we want to tweet like we, we would expect that the user would want us to tweet in the language that they're using the app in because right. that's their that's their like internet language right um, which may or may not be the language that they speak yeah but still um, but we found that when we when we fixed this issue um, our Japanese user base got really upset and we were so confused yeah that is that's why why would they be upset about that? So we, we talked Actually to the did not hear that. Yeah. and there was a coolness factor in having tweets in English. Huh. And when we when we made the change, it kind of made the tweets less interesting. Yeah. To to like the their followers on Twitter. I kinda understand that because I see we have a bunch of uh, Japanese fans and they, they tweet about us in Japanese. In some cases, a few people have tweeted about me specifically in Japanese, and I'm always like excited to translate it and see what they're, uh, what they're saying. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's, it, there is kind of a, a coolness factor, like, oh, this is a secret code that they're, they're talking about us and we have to un unlock it. Right. So we ended up reverting the change and we kept tweeting out in English. It's very interesting. That's, uh, it's a feature, not a bug. That's a, right. that's probably a very uh, that's that's a quintessential example of feature not a bug maybe. Um, okay, it looks like we, we actually um, we spoke uh, through the whole time period. We we actually got a lot done today. Uh, what um, let's see let's 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 see if we can wrap this up. What advice would you give for anyone else uh, working on this problem? Talk to other people. Talk to you know. I've found that um, other people working in internationalization are very open to talking to um, to talking about their their problems and what they're doing because there aren't that many of us. And it, you know, for each company that's trying to globalize, um, it's always a small team that's working on it. 
um, or it's frequently a small team that's working on it. Yeah. And you're going to be encountering the same problems that someone else has already solved. And, um, but at the same time, like they can learn from you too, because you have some insights that they don't have. And so just talking to other people who are working on the problems can be a huge, huge, huge asset. I learned so much from other people. Um, and it, it's, it was also like, we built out a lot of relationships with other companies in, um, like that are part of our portfolio with a specific, um, venture capitalist firm, USV, um, Union Square Ventures. And um, a lot of that was just because we were all working on the same, you know, we're all working on internationalization and we were all willing to help each other. Okay, that's great. What, so at this point in the show, I would probably just ask you if there is a, like, if there's a, if you have a website or a blog and people want to learn more about you, I don't know. Do you have any sites or anything? Not I, yet. That's not okay. Yet. You will maybe at some point because we'll have you back on the show and you'll have something. And also, whatever we want, we'll I'll put in the show notes page. Aaron told me last week uh, when I interviewed him that I needed a show notes page. So now I've got to <laughs> figure out how to build a show notes page. A lot of things we could put on this one. Yeah. So um, I'll definitely. Uh, link to some of the work that you've done. I think you have a blog post up. Maybe do yeah. you have a we have, have a blog post. Yeah, on that. there are, there are two or three blog posts from like on the Foursquare blog that I contributed to. But also, I feel like this is a good kick in the butt for me to actually build my own website. I have the URL. I just haven't put anything up there. So now's the time. <laughs> All right, great. And I will retroactively put that on the show notes page when it comes out. Perfect. All right, Miriam. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, to follow Miriam on Twitter, it's Miriam A. Ali. That's at Miriam A-A-L-Y. For more technical details on internationalization, uh, particularly uh, Miriam's specific implementation, you can check out the Foursquare Engineering blog. I'm going to link that uh, on my blog, which is the our makeshift show notes page. And next week, we have another Foursquare-themed show. I'm going to talk to Stephanie Yang about Foursquare's rating system. Now, this could be the best thing I ever worked on, so don't miss it. That's the show. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you want to keep up, remember to follow The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at MaxClock. Have a great week. It'll feel the power. She said, I don't care what you say. You're going to see me shine.